This is a pretty bad podcast. So, guys, we're going to do something a little bit differently today. Um, A few weeks ago, uh, I had the privilege of sitting down with my grandfather, Edgar Mell. Um, He had just celebrated his 90th birthday. Um, and at that point in time made the decision that he no longer wanted to do dialysis. Um, we were told at the time that he would probably need to go into hospice and have a, uh, probably a week to live. Um, so he was doing well, everything was good. Uh, I decided to take the opportunity to sit down and, uh, man, I could have talked to him for hours. Um, Luckily, I was able to get about 45 minutes of of a conversation with him uh, about his life, growing up during the Depression, his uh, service in the military, how he met my grandma, you know, just some some really cool stuff that I think our family will cherish. Um, It was one of those things, though, that, that after I did it, I realized this is something that I want to share with other people. I want them to know what kind of person person he was. And I want them to know um, some cool stuff that, you know, you may not know if you didn't grow up in in that era or know somebody who did. So uh, I apologize about the audio. It was done on a hand recorder. Um, You will hear a little bit of his oxygen going in the background. Uh, And then I'll come back and talk to you guys when this is over. Okay. Who am I talking to today? You're talking to Edgar L. Mel. What's the L stand for? Lawrence. Lawrence. Yes. And when were you born, Edgar L. Mel? In 1927 in in Granite City, Illinois. No, that's that's where I thought it was all these years. But actually I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. On the kitchen table, me and my twin twin brother. On the kitchen table. On the kitchen table. And what was your twin brother's name? Edward. Edward. Ed, Edward. He was after named after my father, Edward Matham Mill. So he was a junior. Ah. So, so he was a junior. Who came first, you or Eddie? He, he was ten minutes ahead of me. And I never could catch him. <laughs> I never could catch him. And where'd you grow up as a kid? Sedalia, Missouri. What's this day during the Depression? During the Depression? In the 30s. What would your house look like? Well, it, it just sit down. Well, a little white house. Get you some water. There you go. There's a little white house with a grape arbor behind it, and uh, it was my Aunt Susie took care of me, helped raise me because Dad didn't have a job, and so he went out and started selling candy bars out of a box to drug stores and stuff like that, which was not much money in it, but. It helped make a living that way. But then uh, when my brother and I 
graduated from high school. My mom knew a guy that worked on the Missouri Pacific Railroad. And uh, so she sent us down to, he, he was a foreman, so she sent us down to save and he put us to work on the railroad. And What'd you do on the railroad? In them days, they didn't have uh, railroad ties and stuff done by man. You had to do it manually. So you you built up what they call the ballast, shoveled up gravel up there on the, what they called the ballast that held the the track and the gravel, and we shoveled the gravel up, then put creosote ties in, and sh sh then laid rail on top of it for about, foot, I think they were about 40 pieces or something. Whew. Now they do it all by hand, and they bring in a half a mile at a time on, on flat cars. <laughs> Because they can make it around the curves and everything. That's reading they make it so long. Oh, okay. Because the, the rail would bend on the flat car. How old were you when you worked on the railroad? Well, I was, oh God, I was right out of high school. I was 16 years old. Wow. Yeah. Did you have to ride the rail cars from place to place? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our first day out. We went out on the hand car. There was about six of us on this hand car. Well, we, had, we didn't have much training with it. But anyhow, they're supposed to send us a, a listing of the, of the trains that were going to be on the rail that day. And anyhow, we got screwed up some way. And uh, we went a lot around a little curve and here come a train towards us. Uh-oh. So by the time we got our, 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 our little rail car off the rail, and then that's one of the things they taught us right away was if you're on, ever on the rail and there's a train coming, you can't get off. Always get off, jump off, and run towards the uh, train. Don't run away from the train because that, that way you could run past the train and it wouldn't hit you. Ah. Uh, if you're running with the train, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. But if you can see it coming and you want to run, run towards the train so it can't throw you someplace if it hits you. So, so when you said you rode a rail car, was that the old hand pumps? Yeah. A whole hand pump. Oh man. Yeah. So you got a workout. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, that first day my brother and I went out there, they, we went going out and got on this work train, and uh, my, my foreman said, grab one, it was a 10 pound ship sledgehammer, and my job was to take. Uh, Take a take the sledge and hammer down one side of where the where the uh, nails or spikes had worked up the, out of the ground about this far. You because you know that weight 
Yeah. Kept going up and down. You could see see the railroad. Uh, uh, na uh, God, what I call it. Spikes? Spikes that had worked up, you know, on the inch or inch and a half. And it was your job to get them back in down so it held a track real good. So. Okay. And uh, I went out with a big strapping guy in the morning. Was it John Henry? <laughs> no, but he was a big guy. And they gave him one side of the rail and me the other. And he went across the rail itself because the hammer about a, it was about that long. Okay. So you just, you hammered across the rail into the spike. And uh, we went out there and uh, it was down in a draw where it was about 110 degrees. And by noon, we came in to, on the hand car to have our lunch in a, what they had, a commissary car on there. So we ate right on the train. So we came in and had lunch, and I went in and laid in my book. Well, kind of needless to say, when lunch was over, I couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> I, hurt, I hurt so bad. I couldn't move, but so anyway, finally got to, got finally got into that job, and uh, then then Eddie was doing the same thing I was. So it was it wasn't a very good job anyway. But it was a job when a lot of people uh, were having trouble getting jobs, uh, right? Well, if it hadn't been for Mom knowing this guy, we would never got on either. But. There weren't many jobs around when when we graduated from high school. What'd you do after the rail job? Oh my God! Well, I I had 26 different part-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, so you did what you had to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when did you go into the military? I went in the military in 40. 46. How old were you? Uh, 16. Whew. Yeah, I was just 16 when I was. 16 or so. I'm trying to think of the date, but I can't. My mind's. Probably. Not, let's not. see. What year did you go in? In the service? Yeah. No, what year? What? I'm sorry. Yeah, what year did you go into the service? I want to say 46. So you were probably 19? Yeah. Yeah. 27 to 27 to 18. So what branch of the military did you go in? Went into the Navy. You went into the Navy, huh? Uh, I am with Mark. Kitty Cat. In 1945. Yeah, there's my pal. What was your pal? A monkey. A monkey? You had a pet monkey? Yeah. Where at? On Saipan. On Saipan? Yeah. So what do you mean you had a pet monkey? Well, does this mean I had a plump? There he is. <laughs> He's showing me the picture of the monkey on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it says, so you went in 1945, you enlisted. Yeah. So you were 18 years old, probably. Yeah. Well, I was born in 27. 
So uh, let's see how much will you figure out how. Oh, don't make one. me do math. <laughs> oh yeah. Want to be twenty-two? No, twenty-eight? No, I can't be right. Anyhow, here's our East. East. Hey, I was born in St. Louis on July 12, 1927. Family then moved to Sedan, Missouri because of the Depression, where he was raised. In 1945, Ed and his twin brother went together to en enlist in the Navy. Ed was accepted. However, his twin brother was denied due to a minor medical history. And then so tried to get in, a, in another branch and join the Air Corps. It was the funniest thing. He, he passed for the Air Corps, but he didn't pass for the Navy. <laughs> we never did figure it out. He was as proud of his service. He was very proud of his service. He said the most difficult time he had in the service was being separated from his twin brother as they had never been apart until enlisting in different branches of the military. After enlisting, Ed was sent to San Diego, California to boot camp. He was recognized for his abilities and sent to platoon commander school uh, and made assistant company commander, training other recruits in four different companies. Ed was then sent to Saipan in the South Pacific where he served at, in communications working at the post office and in a communications uh, updating code, code books. He said he was hoping to see the world when he joined the Navy, but smiling, he said he only saw two places, <laughs> San Diego and Saipan, with a short stop in Guam. He Saw him smiling, he said, yeah, that was hard. <laughs> he was not involved in any fighting. However, Japanese holdouts were still known to be in various places, not involved in the fighting. Because uh, so there were some Japanese holdouts on uh, Rhoda, which is another uh, 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 it was another island in the Pacific. Was that near where you were at? Yeah. Uh, he uh, was not, not uh, however Japanese holdouts were still known to be in various areas at the time. He survived a major typhoon that hit Saipan. He first took shelter under a desk 
in the Kawansasat where he was working. But when the high winds started to raise the roof off of the building, he jumped into his truck, making a fearless drive to safety in the hills. Yeah, well, before that they had gone down and bought, brought six big ship's anchors and put three on each side of the carts of that. And then they went down to, to, uh, oh, what they call them, well, yes, shipping supplies like anchors and stuff. And they brought three big, uh, uh, three big uh, netting, pieces of netting like they used to haul cargo in, get the stuff on the ship. They brought three of them up, placed, uh, no, they, yeah, they put, brought six of them up and put three of them on each side of the Quonset hut. And then uh, they anchored the roof down with those anchors and that, and that, uh, and those, uh, and those, uh, uh, them, those, not netting anyway. Uh, How long were you in the service for? Two years. Two years? Yeah. I wanted to join, keep join more than, but I also tried to enlist in the submarine service. Uh-huh. And go to New London, Connecticut. However, I got sent to Saipan before I got to go to New London. And I was, after I'd been thinking about it, I, I was kind of glad I didn't go up there. <laughs> so I want to go backwards for just a little bit here, okay? Yeah. So you said you grew up in, the, the majority of your childhood was spent in Sedalia, right? Yeah, right. What was it like living through the depression? Well, <laughs> you had you had one pair of shoes a, a year, and uh, if the soles wore out of them or the heels, my dad would uh, had a shoehorn, and he replaced our soles and the heels on our shoes. And even if we had worn, kind of worn out the toes. Well, he still would replace the heels and the soles, and we continued to work. Do you guys have a dirt floor? Oh, yeah. Well, our grandpa, we went every summer, he had a wooden floor, and the boards were about an inch, in, inch apart. So, needless to say, in the wintertime, they got pretty cold in there. Ooh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if we had bad weather, we had a star storm cellar out in the back of the house. If we had any typhoons or anything. Did uh, you, uh, Dave asked me to ask you about the pig in the bucket story. Oh, well. You remember well, that? Well, when I was brought up in today, I, uh, Eddie and I lived, lived next to a place that raised cattle and, and pigs, 
and we had uh, we had a pig pen. We raised a, a, a litter of pigs every year, and we had two cows, so we butchered two two calves every year, and and Mom put the what they called coal pack, cut the meat up in little square pieces, put them in a curd jar, and then you cook them in a cook them in a you cooked them in a you know God just a minute. You're fine. I, I catch up with myself. <laughs> You're fine. Well, you we cook put the meat in a jar, curd jar, and put it in a you know, God, they just had that's the reason I went over it because I found, had it with me. <laughs> <laughs> they put the jars in a cooker, cooker. Okay. What they called a pressure cooker. And it, you heated it until it got under a certain pressure on the stove. <clears throat> Then you would you could take it out and put it down in the basement on a shelf, and it was it was good. So all you had to do is so it just all, like sealed up the jar. Yeah, yeah, it was called a curd jar. Huh. It, it, it sealed everything up, and you, you could just set it up on a on a shelf in the basement, and you want to eat some meat, well you get a jar of this meat out and. And cook it or warm it back up. It was all it was already cooked. So all you had to do is warm it up. But that, but then you had hams. You had hams and uh, we we ate the ears and we we ate the the the, the feet. The tongue. The, the tongue and the feet. We ate all of it. Didn't throw anything away. No waste, right? Yeah. And then we made our own butter out of a out of the milk, the cream of the milk. We let the cream rise every night, and then they skimmed it off the the milk, and then we churned the cream the next day, uh, and uh, made milk out of it. But we didn't have refrigerators, so it was a kind of difficulty. How'd you make soap? Uh, well, you you made you used the lard and put some lye lye in the soap. Uh huh. And then just you mixed it up, and then you let it harden, and then you cut it in blocks. Just like a, a soap bar. Did it smell good? Well, no, not really. <laughs> it don't smell like it. Did you ever do. have to bite on a bar of soap because oh, you said something you shouldn't no, have? No, no, no. <laughs> I never. When, when, when I knew it had lye in it, I didn't use it. <laughs> Although when we raised tomato, 300 tomato plants every year, uh, we used to take a we used to take a watering can and put some light soap in it and put mixed water and then we sprayed all the tomato plants to keep the bugs off of them. Ah. Yeah, the, the, what they call tomato, potato bugs. Potato bugs? So they get on the, they'd get on the tomatoes too. 
shoes. How'd you wash your clothes growing up? Well, like I said, we used a, a, a little brush, hand brush, and used uh, rainwater and uh, some kind of soap they made, homemade soap, soap like what we made when we made soap. So. So you guys had to be pretty self-sufficient at that point in time. Oh, very much so, yeah. You raised and grew what you ate. Yeah. You collected the water you washed yeah. clothes in. Oh, yeah. It was just a very different time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yep. Did you go to church as a young child? Oh. Mass? Not very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I kind of fell away from the church while I was in the service. But then when I got out and got connected with the, with the church, I, I went back, started going back to church. Uh, when did you meet Grandma? Uh, 19, uh, let's see. I was, I had a friend's wedding. Eddie and I uh, worked out a window on this, on his assembly line, making window machines. And this other guy was on the same line that we were on, on and we were on the cabinet line. And uh, so we started running around together, and then I introduced him to my cousin. Uh, holy smokes. Give me, you gotta give me a minute. You're fine. Uh, we made him a date with my cousin, and uh, Mary and Chalice, and uh, Chalice, Chalice, my cousin, and she got married. Married the guy that worked with Vindo, uh, and I met Olive on the front porch of their house the night they got married. We kissed, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> she had you from there. Yeah, she got me from there. But she always said she she was praying that I'd come back and see her. And I didn't go back for a couple of weeks, so she thought it was all over. But she didn't know how much I liked, liked her, so. <laughs> you were just playing hard to get, yeah, huh? Yeah, I was playing a little hard to get. Do you remember how you gave her her engagement well, ring? Well. You, how'd you give her her engagement ring? Oh, Jesus. I went to Sedalia. I was, I, she wasn't a Catholic, and I was Catholic. And that really, it really. Back in the day. It really bore down on me that whether I should <laughs> marry a non-Catholic or not, because in them days it was a lot different. It was taboo. Yeah. So anyway, I went down home to Sedalia, and I looked out the second floor window all night, and there was a big moon shining, and Finally, it just came to me. This is the person you go, you want to marry. So, and that just blew my mind. So then I went back to Kansas City and started dating a regular. And 
and that's when we got married. So, when did you get married? Do you remember? Uh, Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> well, we were we were married sixty-seven years. Sixty-seven years. Yes, when Mom died, we'd been married for sixty-seven years. I remember that. Yeah. But anyhow. And she became a Catholic, didn't she? And she well, yeah. Uh, she became probably one of the best Catholics I've ever you know, known in my life. Yeah. <laughs> when I went back from Sudan after I went home, prayed on it, I came back up and told her what had happened. She said, well, it wouldn't have made any difference. I was going to, if even if I hadn't married you, I was going to become, become a Catholic anyway. So that settled out. <laughs> Where'd you guys live when you met? Well, Eddie and I lived together right off of uh, Linwood and right off of Linwood. Yeah. And, uh, I can't remember the other street anymore. Eddie and I both lived together all the time after before we got married. Where were you working at? Vendo still? When did you start working for the post office is actually what I'm asking. 1940, 1947. 47, how long did you work there? Well, well. Ballpark. Yeah, about like ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Eddie and I uh, both w worked out there, and then we, he he bought a car, brand new Ford. We were living at 29th and Woodland, and uh, he pit, he parked it on. 29th Street off of, off of Woodland, and uh, the first night it had it, he got hit in the hit broadside by a drunkard. Oh no! Very uh, first night he ever yeah, had it. Yeah. So we got we woke up the next morning. We couldn't believe it. You mean you talk about crying? <laughs> wow. We we were falling. There's a new car sitting out there with the side all bent in. So anyway, that took care of that little story. <laughs> yeah. What you? What was your title at the post office when you retired? Well, I was a superintendent of delivering collectors. Started as a clerk and worked my way up as a assistant superintendent of the of delivering collectors, which was a very, very nice job. You were kind of a big deal at the post office, weren't you? Well, I thought it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> people, when I took over the rule routes at the post office, I ended up being my <coughs> boss. They had a new 
paying system where you counted the mail and all the letters and the flats and you got so much time for each flat and so much time for each letter and they determined how long you're out, whether, whether it was an eight-hour out or not. <laughs> and so uh, we were, I was in the delivery and collection department and I'm a main superintendent of delivery and collection. So, and so uh, then, I, then I went out and examined the routes <coughs> in the dead of winter. <laughs> I had to carry a little book about this side, not about, about half of this side, and write down all the addresses. How many stops and how many uh, boxes on each door, by each door. Some of them houses had six and eight, six and eight boxes. Uh, There's only two, two families in the house. <coughs> so we had to take take care of that kind of stuff. Wow, it's a pretty good job though, huh? Yeah. And it's taken care of you pretty well afterwards, yeah. right? Yeah. Good. Well, Mom and I were married for 67 years. He and his wife raised four children. Anyhow, so you guys, when you guys got married, where'd you live at? When we first got married, we lived at uh, 30, not living with the 31st and Gillum Road, you know, that church where yep. uh, Gillum Road was a double road and he got off on Linwood and went north and that's where the Catholic Church was, right down the end of uh, <coughs> Gillum Road. Anyhow, that had nothing to do with <laughs> Where were you guys at when somebody broke into the apartment? Well, we didn't live there. Uh, Eddie, and, Eddie and I moved in there, and then uh, it kind of got jumbled up with uh, four women, and I mean two women, two men. <laughs> <coughs> so I moved out. Olive and I moved out and moved over on 3315 Belton. Bell Fountain on the third floor because we first lived at 27th of the homes and that's where a guy tried to get in the window one night. <laughs> we heard it, we were, of course it was just a two room be, uh, bed, bedroom and a little, a bedroom and a little front room and the kitchen was a sink, sink, yeah. <laughs> sink in the wall and a two, two burner coal oil stove. Anyhow, uh, uh, we were laying there in bed and uh, Olive heard a noise and we had a triple window and, and it was right next to the bed. And mom looked up and saw this, this guy had his hands under the window trying to raise the window. Well, she jumped up in bed and started screaming. 
as soon as she did that, the guy turned and ran away. Whew. She got rid of him, but uh, <laughs> he had to jump off of a six-foot six wall. Uh, and the next day, we found money out of his pockets and everything else. So not only did he not get in, <coughs> he got some of his money. <coughs> yeah, we got some of his money <laughs> when he jumped off the wall. He must, he must have fallen down or something. Anyhow. Uh, Where'd you guys live when you started having kids? Well, I don't know whether we had our first one at 3315 Bell Bone. I think that's where we had the first job. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you're testing my memory, and it ain't very good. <laughs> and then where'd you move after 33? That's where Uncle Joe and you lived. Uncle Joe lived with you and Mom when I was born. Well, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe, I had an apartment, uh, uh, stayed with us. And then he had a job with uh, Walt, uh, uh, that big meat out foot. McGonagall's? In the plaza. Was it McGonagall's? Oh, uh, Wolfermans? Yeah. He was a meat cutter with the Wolfermans. And then Mom and I moved out to 68 Terrace up off the, on the hill where I had a screen in front of horse and all that. And, uh, so. Is that where you guys lived for a while? Oh, yeah, 68 Terrace. Yeah, until you moved to Raytown. In fact, we had four children, four children there, and two bedrooms. <laughs> Where'd the kids sleep in the summertime when it was nice? Well, on the front porch. They had a screen in the front porch. They slept out on the front porch. Yeah, they they slept on. Uh, in course, I was working nights. <coughs> I was working nights at the post office, so when I came home and went to bed, we had a window fan, and the window uh, had one window here and one on the one side, and it would soot, uh, pull this hot air in one side of the roof. And go out <laughs> so the air was moving, it was just hot air all the yeah, time. <laughs> it was hot air all the time. Now is that over there by where the zoo's at? Kind of in the slope area? 68th Street? Yeah. Yeah, it was right next to the the Swope House, uh, the, the people that own the, the Swope House own that, own that house. And uh, we, we lived out there on 68 Terrace. Hell, you guys were, I don't know how old you were when we moved away. I was 21 when we moved to Raytown, yeah. so 52, 52. So. <laughs> 21. You? What made you move to Raytown? Well, it's because the other neighborhoods were turning over. Yeah, getting a little <coughs> rough. Yeah, so uh, we decided we better get out of there while we could. <laughs> and as it was, <coughs> we sold that house. I got a realtor and I got more than one realtor, and they wouldn't even show the house. And uh, 
so it got a bad reputation for me and then, so we uh, kept looking we got a realtor that would work hard and tried to sell a house but we looked at what we got I think we paid 20000 for it and uh, we had to sell it for ten because the neighborhood turned over. Okay. Do you remember what you paid for the Raytown house when you bought it? Yeah, I was... Uh, I want to say sixty thousand. Oh, I can't hear you with the book. <laughs> I, I think it was sixty thousand or something. Like that, that was a chunk of change back then. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of money. But I had to borrow seventy. I, I had to borrow money from my brother, and uh, the people we bought it from was nice enough to give us a second a second uh, mortgage. So uh, we had a second mortgage on it the minute we moved into it. True. <laughs> How uh, many bedrooms does the Raytown house have? Well, he's uh, got three. No, well, no. The Raytown. The Raytown one. No, we were oh on on a sixty-eight terrace. Yeah. Uh, no, no. On the Raytown house. Your house? Yeah. Well, it had two bedrooms. You sure it didn't have three? No. Didn't have three. <laughs> Your bedroom? Jeez, no, not 68, not 68 Terrace. The, uh... The Raytown house. It has three bedrooms. Well, where was that at? In Raytown. 68 Terrace? Your house you own right now. Not, not 68 Terrace. Raytown. 80... 85th Terrace. 85th Terrace. Oh, 85th Terrace. Yeah. Yeah, well, we bought, I had to borrow money from my brother to buy that house. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it um, I, f I forget, 20, what did we borrow, $20,000 or so. Yeah, that's what we got in there. <coughs> How long have you had the Raytown house? <coughs> oh, well. 40 years? Oh, yeah. Wow. Years. wow. Yeah. We, we, uh, we lived in that house for 40 years, I'm sure. Yeah, over 40 years. Yeah. There you are. Did you tell him how many bedrooms and bathrooms we had in the 68 Terrace house? Yeah, he said there was two bedrooms. How many bathrooms? One. One bathroom? One bathroom. And what did it not have? And we had... Uh, Two double bunks in the one bath in the one bedroom, and then Mom and I slept in the front bedroom, <coughs> and we had a uh, fold-up bed for the other one, and me in our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a twin bed. You had a twin bed. Yeah. Yep. It was a bunk bed and a twin bed. Did you guys have a tub, a shower, a metal bucket? We had a bucket. <laughs> you had a bucket? Yeah. You didn't have a tub? You see that great table in there? Yeah. Well, that's what we had in the kitchen. <laughs> and that great cabinet 
that's where we washed up. We'd heat the, we, we didn't have any heating system, so we heated the water up on the gold flow, gold stove. Stove? Yeah. Back uh, when you were a kiddo? Yeah. Yeah. We had an outhouse. It was about, well, it was a little hot too. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we made do. Whatever we had to do, we had to do. So we're kind of jumping around here, but... I remember when, when we had, you know, 68 there, uh, the uh, plumbing had a leak. And uh, worked and worked and worked and tried to take care of it, couldn't get it taken care of. Finally, I got an old-time plumber, plumber out there <laughs> and so instead of trying, we couldn't get the 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 uh, stool out of the floor so we could fix the leak. So what he did instead of trying to get the thing off the floor, he went down in the basement. And in them days, they used them big. Uh, 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 there was uh, metal pipes. Uh, what kind of metal was it? I can't remember. Anyhow, you could drill a hole there in it and then plug it up. Oh. So we went down in the basement and cut a hole in the pipe with a with a <coughs> a drill. And then got it drained out and opened up from down there. And then we got everything moved out of the pipe. And so then we just took a, a lead a lead thing and drove it into the hole. <laughs> you know that lead would hold up, hold. Oh yeah. Hold, hold the water. So we just knocked the a lead thing filler in there and that stopped the water. So uh, anyhow, that's one of them. <laughs> so you used to work for some sports teams in town, right? Oh, my God, yes. I, I worked. Who'd you start with? Well, I guess I worked with uh, Major League Baseball. Um, I don't, I don't remember who it was. Was it the A's? No, it, it well, no, it was, it was the guy that owned the before Finley. Oh. Uh, yeah. Stadium, right? Yeah, they had one over owner when uh, Finley bought him out. He only had it for one year. Okay. And then. <coughs> He was going to move it to California, and so so there was such a big uproar over that. Well, so he turned, he uh, put it on the, on the block, and he wanted to move, move it to California, and nobody wanted to move it. But 
He so he was only a one year older. But I got a basketball card with a supervisor at, at home. It's generally in that thing there. <coughs> but in my book, it's got a ID card for the first year, and then I got an ID card all the way through every year that I worked out there. Until the A's went to Oakland? Yeah. And then you started working for the Royals? Yeah. And you worked for the Royals for a long time. Well, yeah, 43 years, I think it was. So when, when the All-Star game came to Kansas City, I heard the Royals came knocking for Edgar Mell because you had something that they didn't and that they wanted. Yeah. What was that? Uh, the first All-Star game in Kansas City, I had two tickets to it. The only one they could find in the world that had two tickets yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. And they put it in their Hall of Fame for a yeah, while, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, it was in the Hall of Fame for a while. That's a pretty cool uh, thing to say, right? Yeah, yeah, but I got them in a safe now. Yeah? I put them in my, in my safe at the bank after I found out they were worth the much money. Yeah. But they're worth quite a bit of money. That's pretty cool. And you got to see a lot of stuff. Now, did you go to the most recent World Series in 2015 when the Royals won? Well, yeah, I won. I won in 15. Oh uh, yeah. I won. Watch out! Watch out for Grandpa's pipe too. Oh. Somebody's here to see you. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh. Oh my God. Hi, buddy. You want to say say hi to Great Grandpa Keen? Hi. Hi, buddy. Yeah. How are you doing? So excited. So, did you go to the World Series in 2015? The one that was here? Yeah. Oh yeah. Who'd you go with? I was working. No, not not in 2015. You weren't. <laughs> the the World Series they just won. Oh, that one. Yeah. Well, then and and yeah. and go tickets with me. Yeah, we went. With Caesar, Caesar ticket, she's a ticket person. Ah, uh, yeah, she we can, went. She can get tickets. Yeah. We went, didn't we? I do. And you worked for the Chiefs for a while too, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I from. <laughs> so, what would you say if you could say one thing to all your family? What would you tell them? Well, I got the most wonderful family that ever was. They take care of me, they do anything to help me, and and I just love them to death, and I know they love me, so it's a very mutual love affair. Absolutely. Yeah, so anyway. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me about that uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I, well, I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> we just want to be able to have something that yeah, will well, stand the test of time. Yeah. Be able to share with family members when I'm your age. Yeah, right so, on. That's very nice of you. We've got so many cool things, and, uh, well, and we appreciate all the time we got to spend with you. <coughs> that you're hanging out with us today. So, right, Keen? So many memories. Can you give great-grandpa a kiss? Oh, that's a good hey. one. How'd you learn to give them good juicy kisses, huh? <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, we love you, great grandpa. I love you guys more than you know. More than you know. <laughs> we love you. I know. Wow. Uh, it's kind of different hearing him. Um, this this interview was done on seven twenty, two thousand and seventeen. Uh, in his uh, assisted living apartment complex. Um, you could probably hear my Aunt Kathy in there with me. Uh, she was staying with him at the time. Um, all of his kids rotated uh, staying the night with him. Um, he ended up having a problem maintaining his oxygen and um, passed on um, on seven twenty two. Um, it was, uh, kind of a bittersweet thing because we knew he had been suffering for a while. Um, but at the same time, you know, nobody wants to lose their dad. Nobody wants to lose their grandpa. Um, I had a hard time explaining to my four-year-old, um, that great grandpa was no longer with us. It's, it's definitely been an experience, but this is something I'm so glad I was able to do. Um, I have memories that I could talk about here for hours. He was truly a great man. Um, because of him, I'm here in the most literal sense. Uh, he took the time to raise a great family at his, uh, service. My uncle Dave, um, gave an amazing eulogy. Um, he, uh, <laughs> I still get a little choked up thinking about this part right here. Um, so he decided that my grandfather <clears throat> my grandfather would have loved for us to sing take me out to the ball game and to his credit he made it through i could only get a few words out before i started bursting into tears just thinking about you know that but it's it's something that every time i hear that song because of my uncle dave i'll get to think of my great grandpa or my grandpa. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm a little all over the place. This is the first time I've listened to the audio all the way through since he's passed. Um, so I really wanted to do this, and, and I wanted to take the time to sit down and make sure I got this done. So I, I hope you enjoyed it. Those of you who knew uh, Edgar Lawrence Mel um, are better for it. And uh, those of you who didn't, hopefully you get a small idea of the kind of great man he was so i thank you so much for for taking the time to listen to this uh, next time we're going to probably come in with something hopefully a little bit lighter i'm going to try and get back on track with doing these more regularly now that that situation has kind of came and gone and i'm always looking for input on what you guys want to hear so till next time this is a pretty bad podcast <laughs>